This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek Show number 344, recorded on February 8th, 2018. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find news, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a beautiful, actually not really, kind of cold and snowy, Mike. I think we got a storm rolling through like tonight or tomorrow, maybe a couple yeah, inches. We had one Monday, Tuesday, no. now Friday, just, uh, yeah, I can't decide what it wants to do. No, lots of shoveling. If the snow, if the storm would have run a little bit more to the south, we could have gotten five to eight inches, uh, stayed kind of to the north. Chicago is going to get smacked tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Suckers in Chicago. But we uh, remind everyone, oh, and by the way, I made it over. I finally made it over to Weger's house. Weger, you've got a backyard it's everything is advertised so thank you for sharing that with me no i appreciate it. you gotta come back over in the warm months so we can actually enjoy it yeah no right on and it's a it's just a big area we could put like 25 guys maybe during a meetup i'm just saying it could I'm, it you know a, it could yeah, happen I'm, I'm pretty down for that could happen maybe that was an opening ceremony some barbecue something like that of course yeah. we post the we uh we post the tonight because we have Dwayne on with us tonight we're gonna have some incredible show notes i'm just gonna say it right up front you want to head out to the averageguy.tv slash HG344. Uh, Dwayne has put together already some pretty awesome show notes. All the links to everything we talk about are out there. Uh, hey, Dwayne, welcome. Good to have you. Hello. <laughs> it's good to be here. No, it's good to have you. Um, and and so if you're listening now, again, we're going we're, we're gonna to be covering a bunch of equipment pretty fast. You want to head out to the show notes. Get those ready to go so you can click through them as we go. Home Gadget Geeks. No, it's not that. It's theaverageguy.tv slash HGG344. Hey, I'll remind you to get our mobile app as well, available over at Home Gadget Geeks. That's the one I wanted to say the first time. HomeGadgetGeeks.com. It's available. We thank LastPass for their sponsorship of that app. And actually, LastPass is but sponsors three years in a row. So thanks for all the work that they do to be able to support the app. Download it. Free to you. Great way to listen to it on the road. Go to HomeGadgetGeeks.com. We thank LastPass for the sponsorship. Last week, Paul Tian was on, and we talked a lot about Moro Data and their their cache drives. A lot of information. If you missed that one, head back 343 and get some uh, info on that. I think kind of the future, Mike, I think kind of the future of the home server kind of lies in something like that, a $500 box, a terabyte of SSD, the rest is in the cloud, don't you think? Totally agree. I kept thinking about it all week and just how much more sense it makes than my current setup and I how I, I could be switching over pretty soon. Yeah, super simple box, pretty power efficient. You're not trying to build up drives so that you can use those drives for burst. We'll right. talk a little, <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about that uh here in a minute. I'm so, going to have to go get me one of those. Yeah, they're pretty sweet. Moro Data M O R R O. I'll get it right this time. M O R R O D A T A.com Moro Data. Pretty sweet boxes and Man, they are drop dead simple. I'm not going to lie. Turn it on, attach it to your network, and there's there's your network drives. Uh, pretty cool, Paul. Thanks for coming on, and we appreciate it. Dwayne, good to have you back. I have a um, I got a confession to make. Uh oh. Okay, you ready? Okay. What like, did I do this time? Okay. <laughs> well, you did do it for sure. This current crypto craze that Home Gadget Geeks and uh, the Average Guy TV and Reset and everybody around us is going through. I have you to thank for this because on the last Home Gadget Geeks you were on back in the fall, you you came on like twice in a row. You came on in the summer and then you came back in the fall. 
And you talked about how you could use 1060s to, you know, to mine the, to, you know, to do crypto and how it was cost efficient. And we went through some justification of how you can buy it and make money off nice hash and pay for it. And it would still be around for VR. Cause remember, then we covered some of the VR stuff that you had. That you oh have. yeah, because yeah. I I think if we if I recall correctly, that whole discussion was how to make sure how to offset the cost of my VR rig, <laughs> which so that is was, so funny. <laughs> that was the whole conversation. I even we think we said it. we even said I'm not really doing this for profit. Oh, how times have changed. Oh, oh, how tables have turned, and uh, or so it is. Um, it. It's crazy. So that's the genesis of, like, I tried to avoid it. In fact, I'd had Edward Winninger. He's our alpha Bitcoin vendor here in the city of Omaha. I'd had him on two or three times. And he, I never bit the bug with him. Mike did some investing. He had, he had dropped some money in, hadn't bought any of the equipment. Or had you, Mike? Had you bought equipment by that point? No, I hadn't. These two are the most expensive guests you've had on this show for me because one made me invest money. And then Dwayne here, I went out and bought four graphics cards after that. Oh, yeah. Like we, that. so I bought one and then I Don't got worry, them installed. They, they were great. <laughs> Best so, purchase oh, ever been, made. It's been so very Jeff, good guys. Have you noticed the wall of graphics cards over here? Yes. This, oh, and I have to move the mouse because our mining is uh, going on actively behind us here. Yeah. So the you're you're seeing here, and I'll I'll uh, I'll put you on the main screen so folks can uh, can see you there. Yeah. So Dwayne, there's your there's your wall, and we're gonna dig in here in a second. But you so the so the next day that was Thursday Friday I bought a card, got it installed over the weekend. On Monday I bought another one. I I'm running the ASUS GTX 1060s. Bought another okay. one. Let those two go for a while. And then I don't know, maybe, I don't know, three, four weeks later, I'm like, you can't just do two. So I bought two more. And <laughs> and so we've been, I've been running four. It's like crack. Oh, it is. <laughs> it is. It is total crack. Um, we've been running. And then, of course, we've been talking about this. We won't spend much time talking about it tonight. But we, Mike and I have been running this burst coin that, you know, you just hard drive space for the plotting and for the mining as well. And we're, we're doing some testing with it, but Dwayne, you, my friend, you are the reason that, that uh, all this mining chat. So it's so either people love you or they absolutely hate you now. So welcome to the show. <laughs> yes. I, I'm telling people here, please don't hate me. Um, so, and, and you know what? I have become hated by every, um, every one of my friends, wives, because <laughs> I, 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 I'm not kidding you. Since that show, when I started, remember when I came on, Bitcoin was twenty six hundred dollars a Bitcoin. Yeah. Do you remember that? It was, it was reasonable back in the yeah. It was crazy. It was reasonable, and yeah. we were like, oh man, if we had bought it at eight hundred, imagine that. What? And then of course, things have changed since we've talked, and then they went crazy, and then they kind of came down, and you know. Anyway, we'll we'll get into all that, but. Yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting well, ride. You, you have that was before that was be right before the meetup, and of course I went out to the meetup and I got McCabe to buy a card, and then he started pinging <laughs> Mike and I, and of course now McCabe has gotten into the I mean he's bought a bunch of cards and now he's been buying cards in like closeouts. I, is it Amazon, Mike? Have you followed that? Yeah, liquidation.com, right? Isn't it yes. like the Amazon? They're, they get them, their returns or some yeah. stuff like that, and they just put them in lots, and then he's yep. been buying them and reselling them. So he's the Levi Strauss of, of, uh, <laughs> of mining. Um, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, he's selling jeans and uh, and pickaxes. So oh, that's that's hilarious. No, actually, it's... you, you got to wonder now if you'll make more money uh, actually mining Bitcoin or finding cards at a good deal and reselling them on. <laughs> well, cards are just so ridiculously expensive, Mike. I put mine on face. So I bought those cards for two fifteen. They could easily sell for three hundred. I put them out there for four just to see what I'd get. I didn't get really anything this week. I dropped them to three fifty. And then I thought, no, I still want a way to generate some coin. So I think I'm going to leave them. Pull them in- off. Yeah, I, I did. Well, I put- and I don't think the general, so we talked about this in the post show. So anyone who listens to the regular show, not the post show, oh, doesn't true. even know the whole conversation. Basically, long story short, I sold all my cards. Um, just I saw the prices of those of those cards. So I bought them all around two, between 200 and 250, sold all four of them for 350 each. Um, so it was just insane on a card I had used and mined with. So that's kind of the backstory to that. So my thing was getting out now and getting the money for the cards, um, and switching over to burst. And then Jim, you're, you're going to stay in for a little bit longer. I think so. I think I'm going to do both and we're just going to continue to mine both. I think I'll do, um, uh, mining pool hub and awesome miner. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight and then uh, I'll continue to do burst. Well, we didn't, we covered a ton of that in the post show content. And remember, and by the way, a couple of you signed on for Patreon last week and appreciate that. You get the post-show content if you just a buck get you in. It's just a way of kind of uh, having that available to you. I said if uh, we'd make that post-show stuff always available to you if you're a Patreon subscriber. Head out to TheAverageGuy.tv, look for the Patreon link or go to patreon.com slash TV. And I think maybe it's just The Average Guy. And uh, get in for a buck. All right, Dwayne, we want to get right to your gear because you, my friend, never do anything halfway. <laughs> and so you you were like you were just starting to think about all this the last time we had this show, and then you've built out your rigs since then, and it's kept your office pretty warm. What I kind of want to do is just kind of walk through your 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 rig setup. What'd you do? Why'd you do it? Some of those things. Why don't we uh, start with that? Yeah. So so if you recall, I started with the VR machine with like a 1070. The next thing you know, I decide I'm going to buy a 1060. And then I put a 1060 in a second slot and added that. Well, then I went over and started salvaging my pile of crap over here and, and grabbed a machine that would power an additional card, bought another 1060 and stuck it in. And then back then, Jim, just to give you an idea, I bought a 1060, one of the 1060s that I'm using for $184. Yeah. So yeah. price points were really good. And so I think the best thing to do is I think we start with what are the graphics cards that I have and how many do I have? So let's start with, I am now at 12 dedicated GPUs um, that are running uh, constantly for this. And not only that, I've even trained my wife on how to reset the the miners while I'm out of town. So people will find that to be hilarious. My um, And I even went out and bought an Avicent IP uh, KVM over IP switch that I'm looking at putting in so that I don't have to bother my wife. But let's start with card number one, the card that started it all. So the card that started it all was actually this MSI card. It's a 1070. Um, it's a gaming X GeForce GTX 1070. And again, um, I don't, and a couple of people have made mention in the, uh, in the chat here that they're like, Oh my God, he actually put links to everything. Yes. I actually <laughs> gave you links to every single one of these. Um, now if you actually go pay what, what it's being asked for on Amazon, you'll, you'll 
be crazy because this card, I paid $3.99 for this card back in the day. And this, or I'm sorry, $4.99 for this which card. We thought, which we thought in the day was pretty expensive. Yes, this card, when I looked, when I was building the show notes and I pulled this up, $850. Yeah. Give you an idea. Dwayne, don't you think, uh, and we're going to have to just keep going through because some of our gear, our gear guys will like this, but I think, don't you think GPU, I mean, it's kind of over at this point to try and purchase. Like if you wanted to get into this on a GPU, this is why I'm recommending Burst for a lot of, like if you want to get in and do some crypto, you can still do Burst because you're not doing GPUs. But don't you think with prices now, we're kind of out of it until the prices correct and come back? So there's a trick that I'll recommend to people on this. The way, if you want to buy GPUs right now, if you go and you sign up, you can sign up on Newegg for an alert, an in-stock alert. And what you do is sign up for the in-stock alert from them and you'll be able to get it at a price that makes sense because all these insane prices are people reselling and doing what uh, some people on this podcast have done. <laughs> so, well, both Mike and I have done that. I, Mike was successful. I chickened out and kept my cards. But yeah. So, and what I would tell you is the cards that I'm showing you, um, I would not recommend a 1070 still. 1070s. What we need is we need a new version of cards to go. And there, I don't know if you guys have heard, but the the main reason why you're seeing this go crazy is that the card manufacturers are afraid to increase manufacturing for the demand because they're afraid that the cryptocurrency stuff will crash and then they will be left with inventory. So you're not, it's not really that they're costing more. It's that you just can't find them in stock in the only prices you see. So if you're going to get into GPU mining, you have to be patient. You need to sign up for alerts. And when it comes in stock, you better act fast and you'll be able to pick something up. But reality is if you if you haven't bought these at this point, your best bet is probably looking at something else in the interim until GPUs get into a better price point. But again, I think the 1060s, so what I would tell you is the ones I'm gonna show you uh, that are 1060s are really good 1060s, and I would highly recommend all of them. But I would also say that you need to go alert on these things for a reasonable price point. A reasonable price point is between for these cards that I'm showing you is between 200 and 270 on these cards. If you pay more than 270, you're basically putting a kid through college. So just yeah. that's you're not and you're probably not getting it from a reputable place that's going to allow returns anyway. And if you get a DOA card, buyer beware. So, yep. Okay. Keep going. So, all right. So the card that I really started with was this one here, which is a EVGA. It's a GeForce uh, GTX 1060. This is the three gigabyte version. Um, keep in mind that most of the GTX cards that you want, uh, the 1060s, I would highly recommend going with three gigabyte cards. You're not going to get the money uh, off of adding more RAM to it, even though it will be faster. Uh, you will get more. It, but not for the money. So it's a matter of when you're doing this stuff, and I think we talked about this before, you need to think about uh, return on value. Like it's, it's all about value because if you're spending too much money on the cards, you're spending too much money on certain things, you'll never see a return um, and you won't get as quick a return. So one that I found, Joe, that became one of my favorite cards is this one here. It is the EVGA 
GTX 1060 super clocked. This card will generally sell about 30 bucks more than the other one I showed you. But the result is it'll do about 50 cents a day more than your other 1060 that I showed you that's the exact same thing. So the, it's because of the fact it's just clocked over a little bit. And if you're in, if you're into tweaking the cards and stuff like that, then sure, go for it. But know that eventually once you do that, I did play with overclocking a bit. The issue I ran into is you start getting instability and overheating issues if you go into big rigs. So just be aware. Um, if you're going to do that, I would just warn you, make sure that you have a lot of good cooling um, to be able to do it. Um, the last one that I'm going to show you is this one here. This one's actually a pretty good card as well. Um, it is the Gigabyte GeForce GTX 1060 G1 Gaming Edition. This is actually a dual fan three gigabyte card. I will tell you the, the interesting thing about this particular card, unlike the other 1060s I'm showing you, this is an eight pin requirement uh, power card. So most of the 1060s I've been showing you are six pin. And we will talk a little bit about why you care about six pin versus eight pin um, versus uh, eight plus six. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the power requirements and the power plug that goes on the top of the card when you plug it in. Um, keeping in mind that you also have to have the power on your power supply to power these things and you gotta have enough ports on, on your power supply to do it. So when you start building your rig, um, I started out and I started with that VR machine, which we talked about and we covered. I'm not gonna talk about that, go back and and uh, watch the other episode for that one. What I did do is I decided to move to uh, custom open air rigs. And the, what I bought is this, uh, I, I've got a link in the show. I don't even wanna try to butcher the name of this thing, but it basically is an eight, eight cards across the top. And then the motherboard sits in the bottom. It can go dual power supply and all of that. It, uh, you can pick these up on on Amazon, there when I got them, they were about 189 bucks, and I also started adding a lot of stuff to my Christmas wish list, which ended up that a majority of my second rig was given to me for Christmas. Woo! That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> That's just straight profit, Jim. Mm -hmm. So, um, so when you look at it from that perspective, uh, the good thing about this, they make a six-card system as well. So, interestingly enough, if you Look at the way these rigs are made. They'll have eight cards at the top, but you got to have a video card in the actual motherboard. And depending on the software you're using, some software doesn't like you to use embedded video. Um, so my recommendation is think of an eight, eight card open air rig will actually be a nine card rig and a six card will be a seven card rig, if that makes sense. Six yep. on the top, one on the bottom. Uh, so uh, if you guys know Rob Duntler, for example, he got the bug as well. So he's running a six card uh, rig. He's up to four cards. Uh, and by the way, he did that, Jim, to your point. He actually did this and built this rig about two and a half weeks ago. But the way he went about it is he did what I said, which is he was patient about the parts, waited for when they were in stock, and he purchased the different components at a good price. So it's not impossible to build one, but you got to do it right. That that overclocked 
1060 that you showed yes actually on amazon right now is 360 which is sounds bad but it's actually fairly i mean if you're buying today uh fairly reasonably priced so those cards were probably when we purchased back in the fall mike that would have been a 250 dollars card so it's probably 100 got a hundred dollar premium on it but if that's the only thing you're paying a premium on today which for the most part like most of the prices haven't gone up on motherboards a little bit, but not a lot. The power supplies have stayed pretty reasonable. The right, even the open air cases, which I'd, I'd actually build my own. I think, yeah. uh, you know, th those are pretty easy to build. So you don't, I don't know if you need to spend Mike, you're, you're going to disagree with me. No, the no, open air just, no, I'm just, you still got to make sure you're doing the math and you're able to commit to, you know, eight to eight months to a year until you even right. break even, yeah. right? And then beyond yeah. that is profit or be open to the idea of having an exit strategy and selling. Because um, yeah. once you sell those cards, that helps you a lot in your break even because, you know, like for me, obviously I didn't even need to mine with these cards. I could have just bought them, held onto them, and let them gather dust and sold them and made money um, on the deal. Because, But that's not the norm. You know, these cards are not, I don't think we're going to see this craze stay around. Um, I think they're going to go down. Uh, but you've got to have an exit strategy and be ready to admit to yourself that, okay, if I'm strictly doing this for profit, that you know you need to make some decisions there that yeah. if this is a hobby it's a completely different story you just yeah. got to decide before going in is this a hobby or is this to make money yeah the, the reality is that it, it pretty much would, when jim and i talked about this it's probably fairly low risk even if it's a hobby because of the fact that you if you're committed into it sure you're committed into it but to make it turn into to break even is not hard. The way that I looked at it whenever I was doing it is I actually thought of it as a depreciating asset. And so I started looking at, okay, if I lost 50% of the value of the card over a year, how much money would the card make in a year? Take that, deduct the depreciation and the resale. So the resale was always part of it. Um, whereas people who are buying Bitcoin straight up with cash, these people are getting Bitcoin at full dollar amounts. And then the risk is I put cash on the on the table where what I'm doing is generating it. And if you look at back when I first started generating at twenty six hundred dollars, that Bitcoin's worth a whole lot more now than it was then, even after the big thing. I mean, if it falls to six grand, I'm still doing great. So you kind of have to look at it in the in the math and the risk, I would say it's kind of hard to lose money at it unless you're just really, really not paying attention or don't know what you're doing. Um, but part of the reason we're here today is to make sure you don't do that. Right. Um, and you know, like, like one of the things I see all the newbies do is they will buy this and they'll run like the benchmarks and they won't turn off CPU mining. And they're just sitting there burning power to, to get <laughs> three cents on a CPU. That's that, makes no sense right i mean cpu mining is not worth it i mean sure could it be profitable on the processor that i have in my vr machine which is this one which is that i7 x processor this processor is stupid expensive it'll make maybe eight cents a day that's you're not going to pay for that processor. You're not going to offset the cost of that processor. All you're going to do is overheat that thing and, and make the the lifespan of it not as good. So I, my recommendation is stay away from processors. You know, you just don't even don't even do it. If you if you look in the configuration of all these different things, 
they all have the ability to turn off uh, turn off the CPU. And a lot of them have gotten now where they just go ahead and do it because it affects their um, profitability and people will be like, oh, well, I'm not making as much money on this mining software as the other. So they are starting to get kind of competitive. Um, so to kind of move past graphics cards, the other thing, Jim, so let's uh, you start going into open air rigs, you have to get specialty hardware. You can't just go buy like a typical VR machine game, uh, you know, motherboard. You have to have a specific motherboard type to be able to do it. So the ones that I currently have, this one I will highly recommend. Understand that your limitation will be six cards. Uh, uh, Say the model number for us, Dwayne. So folks, so on this model on. is a Gigabyte H110-D3A, and the link is in the is in the um, the notes. Yep. This this motherboard, the the issue you'll run into is you'll have you'll put one video card on it, and then you'll have five slots where you can put the risers in. If you don't are not aware of risers, they're just these little bitty cards that slide into the slot. They have a USB cable that goes out to a to a card that plugs in that you plug your video card into, and then once you do that, it locks in, and that's where you how you plug in the card. You don't actually plug the video card into a motherboard. So this one, because it does have a limit. Now there's some things that I tried with this motherboard, which is they have these things where it'll take one of those slots and make it into four. It's not going to work, guys. Um, that hardware is just you wasting $35. Um, so don't do it because I did. Um, the problem is the motherboard has to have enough PCI Express channels and you run out. Now, if you look at your processor, your processor has to have the proper channels. Everything I'm going to talk about, you're not going to exceed it unless you go to that crazy motherboard that has like, you know, a ton of different, I think it had something like 20 something this is not for you. Do not do that. Now I'll talk about why in a bit. So this is a great motherboard for mining, very stable, um, which is one of the things that you're, you'll want to do. And then the second motherboard I have. So what happened is I started with that motherboard in my open air rig. And then I realized that I had exceeded, I had more space in my open air rig than I had availability to put cards. So then I'm, I'm going, okay, I'm running out of power, I'm running out of slots on my motherboard. So I ordered a new motherboard that would help me. And I figured I'll go on up to maximize the power supply that I had and, and plan to buy a second power supply for the rig. Um, this is the other motherboard. It is a ASUS, which is ASRock, ASR Rock. I don't know how they say that, but ASRock. And it is the H110 Pro BTC plus. So this is a Bitcoin mining motherboard. It is what it is built to do. It has, I believe, 13, uh, 13 slots on it. And so if you were saying that you wanted to go and you wanted to fill out a nine card rig, this is pretty much the only motherboard that you're going to find that's going to get you the closest to nine cards. But you're only going to get nine cards out of it, even though it says 13. And it has to do with the motherboard design. The slots are right next to one another so tight that when you put the video card on the main slot, you end up covering up three, uh, three of them or, or so, and it becomes very difficult. Now, you can the other use a riser on that main slot, though. You could use a riser and then and just go to a graphics card just like normal. 
Yes, but the problem would be is that you run out of slots in your rig. So 13, oh. this is a good – you're going to end up running out. If you go to 14, I think is the next logical – no, it would be 13. Um, would be a 6, 6, and 1 on the bottom. So you're uh, saying it, it saves space up top, not necessarily that the board requires it to be directly put into the board. Correct. And then the other problem is, is that the slots are so close to one another when you're using the risers. And I was building, uh, when I I actually went to a nine card rig, I went to a full up dual power supply, nine card rig with this motherboard. And it was the most unstable thing I've ever seen in my life. Really? Um, And I'll explain why It, it, it was because the riser cards themselves, they have like little power, they have like a, a metal piece where the the usb piece is soldered on and the the little pieces stick out and they'll actually touch the other usb port behind it so what you end up with is shorting out the riser cards on on it and so what and when it starts doing that you know the electricity jumps or just something jag you know joggles it a bit what you end up with is you end up with it crashing your rig and so my recommendation on that board is that is a good stable board for six cards because you're going to have to basically go every other card, uh, every other slot to be able to make sure that they don't touch. Now, there is a trick that I can tell you to get a little bit more compression. And that is if you take some little foam rubber like they put on the bottom of those riser cards and you stick it on the back of this, you can't go full out because the car, you'll run out of space between them because it makes too much pressure. Um, but you could get a few here and there uh, as long as you skipped one between two of them. So it's it's just one of those things. Just keep in mind that I, what I'm I'm thinking is happening, because if you try to find a motherboard now that can do this, you'll find that that's as hard to find. Um, you have to you'll actually find that those are maybe even harder to find the graphics cards right now. And the reason I think is because the motherboard manufacturers aren't doing the same thing as the graphics card manufacturers. They are actually going, oh, okay, well, we're going to make some configurations and sell them to meet the market demand. And I think they're in the process of building new form factors that take into, take into account the risers. If you, again, I highly recommend you just kind of take a, take a look at those, those two motherboards, but don't try to go above six with these. There is one other AS Rock motherboard that has like, something like 20 something um it might even have more than 20 uh connections but then you have to start thinking about power supplies and what it takes to do that um and you start questioning whether or not it's really worth it so because if you have a really unstable nine card rig it might be more cost effective to have two six card rigs because the cost of the cpu and the ram and stuff like that is really minimal but i will say that you will make more the higher the compression to CPU and RAM. Dwayne, so, I, I'm showing that uh, I'm showing that board for those that are watching this live or watching the video, and yeah. you can see how tight those those PCI slots are together. And I didn't even think about you know you, when you start jamming those risers in, Mike. It probably matters how well those risers are made, and that if they're sloppy, you know, if they're sloppy and they're wide. I can see what Dwayne is seeing as to how that would they would make maybe touch each other 
Which oh, of course, totally. I, on Ooh. that board, I'm looking at it now. That is, they, those are insanely close. That is not like a normal spacing for like if you're yeah. going on the back plane, right? Like and then think about the how fat a graphics card is, and you look at the slot where you would plug <laughs> the graphics card into it, and look at how many you would cover. And right. so you're going to cover the one at the, above it and two below it at a minimum, and then the other one's going to be so close to the fans on it that you're kind of starting to worry about <laughs> about it. So again, this is one of those things that I would say. It's a good motherboard, but I wouldn't recommend it over the Gigabyte. The Gigabyte is better. Um, and then if you're, tr but if you're trying to go nine cards out, maybe you could solve it with some electrical tape between the risers or something thinner that doesn't conduct. But my view of it was I already had another rig. I don't, I can't get enough graphics cards to fill this thing out. And so I ended up switching from a nine card rig to going to a six and a four um, that are open air. So just be aware that those are the different things. And uh, Jim, I don't know if you want to show what the open air rig looks like, but yeah. while before moving. we before we do that, here's, here's oh that's your, the other one. <laughs> yeah, here's your 19, and you can see they've already done a better job of spreading out those those PCI yeah. slots, right? And then I think the magic to this one is the C, B, and A, um, and those are your the PSUs, right? That's for your power supplies. Yep. And so this board actually will support three power supplies because this is the problem. Sometimes if you have a board, they're only really designed to handle one power supply and you got to do jumpers for the other ones and it's kind of messy. This this board uh, has these three already built in and they recognize each other. And so uh, like uh, sl slot A, I'll show that here. Slot A will run one through five or one through seven, and then slot B runs eight through 16. And then I'm not doing the math right, but you know, you know what I mean? Maybe too many rum and Cokes at this point. So uh, um, this is an Asus board and really I think was designed to handle this particular scenario way better than the, the ASRock board you showed. And by the way, only $10 more. So this one is yeah. now, and this used to be 300. It's down to 229. So if I think if you're going that route, I'll show that here on Amazon right now, two twenty nine. So three hundred dollars for a board, or two hundred thirty for a board. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good board. Yeah, and and so far that board's gotten pretty good reviews. The only thing you got to think of is that if you don't, you've got to make sure you match the power supply count to the number of slots. So Correct. there's a lot of planning. And I would tell people that one thing about building an open air rig is you need to plan for where you're going to go. Because you may be better off buying power supplies in different configurations, and you need to look at those different configurations to figure out what you're going to do. And not only that, what kind of cards are you going to run? Because you would have to run something, you have to do something different if you're going to use 1070s, or you're going to use something that has a different pinout on, on your video cards. And I think that's, you know, really kind of the core part of my conversation on, on motherboards and things. You know, I have been asked, Jim, about CPUs. CPUs are one of the things I would tell you you want this. You don't really care. Oh, there's there's the case that we we're talking about, which is a Vedaha Professional <laughs> 8 GPU. There's a, yeah, there's a six card and there's an eight card uh, version of this. I have two of the eight cards. They are big. They are really big. The six card one is a lot smaller than the eight. and uh, the whole reason that uh, Rob Dentler decided to go with this, not to go with the 
um, eight card system versus the six is because it wouldn't even fit. So make sure you get the measurements on this thing before you go thinking you're going to shove it under your desk. Um, but I will tell you also that the thing with this is that you see all those fans at the top. Those fans don't come with it. <laughs> so you need to make sure that you figure out and make sure that you don't get really glowing fans, because if you put glowing fans in this, it's going to light up your room like crazy. Um, and you want quiet fans. Uh, and I have a recommendation on that that I can give you guys at some point, but I didn't put it in the show notes, but I can provide it if there's a lot of interest in that. But know that the other thing is, is you know, the, while the fans help, if you're running a six card rig or, well, I would say if you're running a four card on it, Jim, don't, don't buy the fans. It, you don't need them. It, it, you're, it's just not required. Uh, so a little air movement is nice to be yeah. honest. So yeah. but you can use a little tower fan. You can use a little $14 fan. You get at Walgreens, right? I, I just mean, turned the ceiling fan on in the room. Yeah. yeah. No, enough. Right on. Just a, but a little bit of air movement is nice. And I yes. think you nailed it on the head with planning too, because I think my biggest regret when I bought all this stuff was I thought, okay, I'll never go past two cards. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> right. And I, I didn't think about that at the time. So I got this super cheap motherboard that only had four slots on it. I got, um, I got 500. No, I had to upgrade my power supply up to like 750, which still wasn't enough. So like plan to have the bug bite you a little bit and have a little bit room to expand because you're going to end up having more than you think. I think all three of us here ended up with far more cards than we thought and maybe planning ahead a little bit on that could have saved us a little bit of cash. I know it would have done for me because I wouldn't have had to upgrade my power supply and all that stuff if I would have just said, okay, yeah, we'll end up with six cards. Let's up front get the equipment that would actually run though. So I think you're totally right. Planning yeah. is key and uh, being aware that you're going to, the bug's going to bite you and you're going to end up with more than you think. Yeah. I, I would tell you six is a good planning number. I would agree. Yeah. Um, so if you, because six is when you start getting into things like, do I really want to go dual power supply? Do I really need a special, you know, how special of a motherboard am I willing to go? Am I, you know, and stuff like that. So, so I would definitely agree. I, I, I think six is your magic number. If you got a plan, then everything that you plan for six, you just duplicate it for, for larger rigs. And I think that helps you out. And that was going to be my question to you. So I think, cause I agree. I think six, once you go past six, you probably no matter what, want to go to a second rig anyway. Right. You're, I mean, you're the only one of us that has more than six cards. Would you agree? Like once you get past six, you might as well just start a second rig. Um, yeah, I think I would want a six card rig with some expansion for maybe one or two extra cards in the case that I find an amazing deal on them and I can throw them in. But eventually you start getting to a point where you get stability issues. And so what I have right now is, I have, like I said, I have a total of three that's powering 12 cards. Um, my VR rig is the most stable of everything, but that's because of the fact it's only got two. Uh, and then the one that I've got that's running that um, gigabyte motherboard, that is really, really rock stable. Um, so I, I would tell you, these are all, I mean, you can get it really stable. And then the AS rock one, um, when I went down to six cards, I haven't had any issues whatsoever since then. And I, I was having things like just like overheating issues and things like where you'd have to put a fan to blow the air against, even though it had all those fans, I have all the fans that you see in that picture, got them all running, but because it's sitting in a corner, I had to put a fan to blow the air out of the corner um, because it will get hot. And when I say it will get hot, 
it is in my guest room with the door shut and a window cracked at 20 degrees, you know, and it will keep that room fairly warm. So it's not the sound. Like if you get an ant miner, it sounds like a turbine going off in your house, right? But this isn't, it's not that that's going to cause you a problem with uh, GPU mining. What you're going to, it's not sound. Um, it's the heat. And so, you know, just keep in mind, it may not be comfortable to do that in your office. Uh, it, it won't be loud, but it might not be comfortable. So just keep that in mind. Um, what I will tell you is very interesting about it is the fact that during the day, I just, I just opened the door to that room and it like between that, uh, the rig in my office and the rig in my guest room, which is right across from me, that actually heats most of the bottom floor. <laughs> See, there you go. And, and the good thing is I have an air conditioning system I can put dedicated in that room come summer uh, and a dedicated circuit right outside the window. So these are things like you just need to think about like, okay, the other part is in your planning is, okay, it's winter and that's great and heat's a wonderful thing then. But when it comes summer, that might not be your favorite room to be in. So just be aware. You know, I think if you go with like four, Jim, you're safe four to six in a room, you're probably okay, but just be aware you're going to need a fan. I have four down here. And to be honest with you, I, uh, you can kind of tell like every once in a while they'll shut off for whatever reason, system halts or whatever. And you kind of come down and you kind of feel like, Oh, it's a little chilly down here, but it's not that much heat. Uh, yeah. I did put a big double sized industrial fan on top of my cards that sit inside a box. Cause it just wasn't getting enough natural movement and that keeps both those cards at about 70 celsius and that's okay. perfect right that's perfect yeah. and then i've got two in another box and it's not great one's running running at 85 the other one's at 68 it's the weirdest thing like i wonder what my why they run so opposite but you do like you're saying you do need to kind of think through that if you're running two cards in a room chances are you're not going to have i mean if you're going to get into this as a hobby and uh, you're just going to run a couple cards. You don't need to think about it too much. They haven't. They have not. Especially if you take Dwayne's uh, advice and you run 1060s, they don't. They just don't run as hot as those AMD. The 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 versions you had, Mike, I think will crank a little bit harder. Yeah. 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 And and know that superclocks or overclocks will of course be hotter than the others. So they so just will. be aware of that. Yeah. So. So let's jump into CPUs real quick. Okay, yeah. so from a CPU perspective, what am I running? I, I put the two different CPUs in. Um, you will see one of them is a Celeron. This is by far the most popular mining rig one. And so what, what ended up happening is just like everything else mining, um, this processor became hard to find and it became stupid expensive for a Celeron. So what I ended up doing in my second rig when I built it out, I started monitoring whether the Celeron versus the i3 was a better uh, bang for the buck. And because, again, you need to think about what is resale value on this stuff and what's the depreciation. And i3 is going to sell a lot better to the average Joe than a Celeron. So the i3 is what I ended up with, the i3-7100. Uh, it looks like this, and it runs in the same motherboard. Um, so in the end, you know, it's it, what you're going to end up with was an LGA-1151 socket. Um, and one of the things is always buy it in this blue box like this because it comes with the CPU fan and you don't need super cooled anything. You don't need fast RAM. Matter of fact, the RAM that I put in, which is the eight gig uh, kit that I put, a, put here is actually 
slow ram on purpose. Um, and believe it or not, it's it, it's becoming weird because you need to just look and make sure that you get a good deal on the RAM as well, because everybody that's mining is doing the same thing, which is where's the cheapest RAM. So look at the, the CPU, like the motherboard minimums and the CPU minimums and go for the slowest RAM. And I would recommend eight gigs as a minimum um, in any rig that you go to. If you're gonna go to a nine card rig, I might recommend you bump that to 16. Um, because you will eventually start running out of memory. Um, I had a little bit of that going on when I went to nine cards and had to bump the page file uh, on the machine to a, and the way that they recommend that is I think they said, take the RAM that you have on all of your graphics cards and make that the equivalent to your virtual memory allocation. Um, so, you, you could start running out of hard drive space. So a lot of people will put like a 64 gig SSD in. You will have a problem if you go to nine cards with a 64 gig SSD. I would recommend 128 or higher. Um, the prices on this stuff is not very high. The other thing is that on, um, on a lot of these motherboards, you can put an M.2 in and that will save you having to figure out how to mount the SSD and not to mention the resale value is higher on those. So I, again, thinking, don't think about it as, hey, I should spend a lot of money. I think it's a matter of thinking about what would resell well and for your depreciation schedule. And then I would then look at uh, what is a value. So in the case of, can you buy an i3? Yes, could I, could I actually mine on the i3? Again, that goes back to CPU mining is bad. Don't do it. So, hey, Dwayne, let me jump in there real quick because Mike and I have been doing burst and, you know, of course, that's hard drive plotting CPU, not as needed for the for the mining process, but in the plotting it is. And so okay. we, we've been telling folks, if you're going to join us on burst, we always kind of say in the long run, well, that core i7 is kind of nice because I can run, I can plot two drives at a time, uh, split those up and get some efficiencies. Um, but, this would be the bad boy. You yeah, want. that would that would be nice. Now, once I get once I get moving, uh, I don't need that. I really don't need that that much power anymore. Core i three or whatever will get me just what I need. I do. I have found Mike that on my burst box. That's a twenty five watt AMD fill in the blank, whatever the cheap one was. I should memorize that number. <laughs> I do max that thing out on burst on the CPU side, so it's going one hundred percent as it's scanning the drives. It's going one hundred percent. So I would recommend well. Maybe not the cheapest of drives if you're going to jump with us on Burst. Mike, maybe next week we'll do some more detailed analysis on that when we talk about it on the show. But um, yeah. it is one of those, Dwayne, I think if you're building this rig and, and maybe you're going to mine for a while, you're going to sell the cards off later and hold on to the motherboard uh, for whatever reason, or get that get that chip and you're going to hold on to it and swap it to another board, it may be worth it to get an i5 or an i7 at this point. And, yeah. you know, move that to the next board because you're going to want to keep that. So I, I love how you're yeah. totally. I love how you're approaching this, which is plan. Like, think through this a little bit and, and uh, don't just go for the cheapest. Don't just go for the most expensive. Go have kind of have a plan pulled together and kind of say, here's here's what we're trying to do with this thing. And well, here's some parts I may be able to use again. You want to hear something that's really funny. Think about the fact of how much downtime for your rig is it going to take for you to install Windows updates and, and install upgraded graphics drivers, which, by the way, you need to do. You need to keep that stuff up to date, especially the graphics drivers. 
um, because they can improve your performance. But the installation time on that Celeron is almost double what my i3 is. And so maintenance time on it is a lot better. So to your point, and then when you talk about my VR rig, which is running that uh, you know, that i7X series processor, <laughs> it's, you know, I, I start it last because it's done before I even get the other ones. Uh, I kick all the other ones off and go do this. But speaking of which on the timing there, Jim, could you guess how long it takes to benchmark a nine card rig? <laughs> a while, I it, would imagine. Go, go fix dinner. It's not go grab a beer. It's it's go fix and, dinner. And if you don't buy all the same cards, like if you, on, on some of these programs, you can benchmark one card. And if they're all the same cards, you can push those benchmarks down to the rest of the cards. But if you have multi-card rigs, you've got a bunch of different ones in there. <laughs> you really need to benchmark every single one individually to make sure they have the best benchmarks and awesome minor or nice hash yep. uh, to be able to do those. So, um, yeah, a good point. I, I think that's a really good point. I, I just I wouldn't necessarily skimp on the processor because that yep. may be something you can reuse. And like you said, running updates, that's good. taking things down. You want a fast boot. You really I mean, time is money. So yep. you, you don't want it to, to be too slow. So we'll jump into the last key part that I wanted to kind of cover, which is power supply. And this, this, why, you know, Jim, it used to be whenever you're like, you're going to buy a computer, power supply is like an afterthought. This is where you really need to think because this can really burn you. A lot of people are jumping on these 1600 watt or, or thousand watt power supplies. And guess what? That's what the noobs buy or the people who need a really, really big rig. And so jumping on that to say, I just don't wanna to have to think about it, that's actually a bad move because you'll probably get more power supply and more efficiency if you go dual in some cases than if you go with a single. Not to mention, if you start looking at the power supplies like 750s versus 850s, what's the real difference between them? You need to figure that out. And it's not just look at how many ports are on these um, these different power supplies. Like, you know, they have the, the what, what do we call that? The, when they have the cables. Um, oh, modular. Yeah, modular. When you look at a modular power supply, it's not just what's on the back of the power supply, it's the cables that it comes with as well, because you need to have enough connections off of it to be able to under, to power the different cards you wanna power. So the power supply that I'm gonna recommend for somebody who's looking at a, at a six card rig using 1060s, primarily six pin, is this card right here or this power supply right here, which is the EVGA Supernova 750P2. The reason I like this is it is not really expensive. It is a, but it is a very efficient power supply, which is also important because power is money and that is costing you as you run this thing. So the good thing about that power supply is that it can run six cards and it can even run a couple eight pins cards. And when we talk about this, there. Think of it that you, when you plug in to, to a card, a lot of times they have a, a cable and the cable comes out and it has an eight pin and then it has a six pin. If you use an open air rig, believe it or not, you can run two cards off that. You can run the first set of pins and then you use the other cable to run to the second card. And that gives you the ability to have two cards powered off of one cable. Now they have to be next to one another in order to do this, but the key here is that if you're doing that, you can run an eight pin and a six pin off of that one cable. 
But when you start looking at, the, but it also ships with cables that don't have the tube. And the reason is because the cables are determining how much wattage you're drawing. So the difference between a 750 and an 850 will be how many eight pins versus how many six pin cables it ships with because you can't max it out. You can drive more power. So again, look at that and make sure you understand what are you running. The more expensive the video card, the more pins it will use most likely. The more fans you put on the video card, the more likely it will go from six to eight pins. So the example of what I showed earlier is all the EVGA cards I showed you are six pin cards. But the, the one that I showed you that was a gigabyte, that card actually runs an eight pin connection. So if you bought six of them, you're not going to power it off of that mother off that power supply that I just talked about. So you'll have to figure that out. The other thing is the 1070 I showed is an eight plus six. It actually requires two power connections, one eight pin and one six pin. So you need to, and the way that I recommend you figuring this out is you really can't tell by saying it's a 1060 or a 1070 or whatever. That's not going to work. Um, what you got to do is go on to, um, onto Newegg or go on to, um, onto Amazon and look at the pictures and make sure you get a, a shot of that card from the top so that you see what is the power connection for that card before you buy, because you may have just bought yourself a card that you don't have the power to, to run. And so that's part of the plan in your rig. Um, and you know, it's not hard to find six pin cards. And so eight pins are my exception. I'll accept them, but I also know how many eight pins I can put on a power supply. So just, you need to know that stuff going in. So one last thing about the power supply, when you go to the second power supply, if you get a nice power supply, like what I have, uh, that power supply will come with this thing, which Jim alluded to earlier, which is a jumper. And so if your motherboard, when, when I first did this, Jim, I was ready to pull my hair out. I'm like, how do I make this stupid power supply come on? You know, I got two of them and I'm like, uh, you know, and I just plugged everything in. I'm like, okay, it's just going to come on, right? And no, it won't come on. So you actually have to have the power, power component that comes out to go to the motherboard. And this thing right here goes right on the end of that cable instead of plugging into a motherboard. And if you could see it, which I think, think you can, it's got like just this one little thing where two pins and what it does is it shorts that out. So that way the it, it, that power supply will stay on all the time. So the other thing to keep in mind is if you do that, the, you might need to, if you need to do maintenance on the machine, you need to flip the switch on the back of the power supply so that you don't start messing with cards that are half on. The other thing is you need to turn that on, let it get going before you flip on the power uh, switch on the motherboard to the second. These are the things you should start worrying about when you start getting over six card rigs you are dual power supply rigs, you start getting into things like this that you really kind of have to think about. So my, this goes back to our recommendation. You might want to start around six cards and think of it there. It's a very profitable rig at six cards. You're not going to have an issue. Um, on general, in general, you're probably seeing somewhere between, and at current rates, probably somewhere between 10 to $18 a day profit on a rig like this. So just give you an idea of a 1060 rig with, with that many cards. So, so me, Jim, I think say, that's hardware. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me say on those prices, like if it's February 8th and we're seeing some of the lowest prices we've seen in a while, 
So, you know, when you when you think about um, some of this mining, you need to take that into consideration as well. Will it always be this way? I don't know. I don't know, Mike. Do you think I, as we look at the markets ahead, if we could predict that, why would we even be podcasting? Like we would right. just be making be money, millionaires. Right? But um, uh, but you have to take that into account. Right now, uh, things are not good. It, it it played into a little bit of my consideration of like maybe I should sell my cards right now. The prices are the highest they've ever been on those cards, and the mining is the lowest it's been in a long time. When in December, we were seeing ridiculous mining, like. You know, I was expecting when I bought these cards, I expected a buck twenty-five each. That was kind of what I'd figured, <laughs> and we were seeing like three bucks a card in those in those in the, you know the high days there. Yeah, uh, when I hit twelve cards at one time when I first did it, Jim, fourteen hundred a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of ridiculous. All the prices were up, right? Yeah, but, but the, the market has backed up and. And uh, and so just kind of take Dwayne, kind of take those things into consideration. Dwayne, in the remaining time that we have, I do. Um, I'm going to move some of the talk about some of the platforms. So as we think about Awesome Miner and Nice Hash and some of those other things, we're going to move that into the post show. So for folks who are okay. don't normally get, normally don't, can you stay around a little extra time to talk about yeah, those? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll talk about platforms in the post show again. That the post show is really if you can jump on our Patreon link. Buck a month, get into the post show. Just get, we'll, we'll we'll make that available out there. Move some of that crypto conversation. I do want to get for for our just our regular listeners who are yep. out there every week. I want to kind of get. I want to dig into a little bit some of the stuff that you're working on when we oh, think yeah. about. So can we can we make that shift? Oh yeah, absolutely. So uh, oh, just to finish off the thought before we go, um, it's a to complete this particular uh, topic. Yeah. So in the high with with 12 cards because I'm asked this all the time what did I make I made about 1400 a month okay at the lowest point right at the absolute lowest point you're talking 400 now where are we at right about now I would say probably about 500 to 550 is what you're going to you're going to result so you figure that math out average rig you know no yeah. A nine card rig, it costs you about two grand if you do it right. So that'll give you an idea of a return and you can kind of figure out those different things. Again, my quote on the amount of money, though, keep in mind, is 12 cards. So if you build a six card rig, divide it in half. Yeah. For most beginners, I kind of recommend the two. Most modern motherboards will support two cards pretty easily. Uh, you're going to have the primary slot and then a secondary slot. Some of those older boards would have had a... Uh, SLI is that what it was called when you could uh, yeah. you could chain those things together back in the old days? Crossfire, crossfire. Like, there it is. And SLI. Um, yeah. The, <laughs> the back in the day when we had to do that for video cards. Um, All right. So so anyways, you can you can probably get away with two, and that's a great place to start. But if you do two, you're probably going to, want to do four. We're just we're just <laughs> saying that. So if you're buying a motherboard and you're starting to buy stuff, if you've got an open slot on an existing motherboard, play. Yeah. yeah. Um, and learn, but. Yeah. Let me. So before we move on, though, hold on, Dwayne. Let me ask you this, and then Mike, I'm going to ask you the same questions. Dwayne, somebody starting from scratch today, still start? Do you think? I mean, prices are down. I mean, mining per dollar prices are down, right? The, the the coins are not what they were at one point. Now they're not. They didn't go all the way back to where they used to be, but they're still not where they are. Um, equipment is expensive, and so we're in that weird inversion where I think some people would say, "Oh, I don't know if now is the time." Dwayne, if you were going to start now, would you do the same? Make the same choices? Um, 
if I was patient, I think you can do it and, and make money off of it. If I had an open slot on a motherboard, I would do it with no thought, right? Um, if I have a VR rig or a machine sitting that I'm using for gaming, it's a no-brainer, right? I, oh, I didn't tell you about this. But I, I got one of the guys, like my boss, right, at work. His son had a had a gaming rig, and I started talking to him about what I was doing. His son's like 15, and so what his son did is set it up, and so his son's just using it to make extra cash to go to like the movies and stuff, and it's perfect for crap like that. I mean, it's absolutely perfect. So if you've got like a teenager, you know, that you have a gaming machine and they're just, it's just sitting there. Sure. I mean, it's not, I will tell you from a power perspective, because a lot of people are worried about the power cost. I'm running 12 cards and it's not really making much of a difference in my, in my power cost in reality. Um, so I would just say, you know, yeah, if your teenagers got it, want a, a VR rig or something, or you've got one, don't think it's going to jack your power bill to high heavens. It's not that bad. Um, I am kind of curious, Jim, would you agree with that? You got four, when you put four cards on, did you really notice a difference in your power wheel? A, a little bit, but I'm not, I take, I also took out two really power inefficient, um, at a fridge and a freezer that were taking up a ton of power. And so they disappeared and I added the cards. And so I'm seeing a little bit more, but that's, there's a little bit of trickery in there. I, I kind of think about 25% is what I think is kind of, and as these cards right now, as we're making less, that in the power stays the same, that means your profit's less. So you have to yeah. take that into account. Mike, what do you think? People getting into it right now, what kind of advice would you give them? I, I've got to go the opposite. I got to say no. Um, j just because, so when I do the math on this, um, and like, like Dwayne said, if you have the stuff, of course, fire it up. Like the like, if the electricity is the only thing you're paying for, go for it. But I'm saying if you got to spend even a penny um, on any of this stuff, even if you're looking at just the cards. So we'll just use what I sold my cards for, right? I sold four AMD RX 480s, great AMD cards for mining. Uh, total four of them. So you're building a four card rig for $1,400. So let's say you have to go out and drop $1,400 on just the cards. Um, not uh, Then you got like $125 power, well, probably $100 power supply maybe cheaper if you depending on what you get um 75 to 100 power supply you got a board you got a all that extra stuff so let's just go 1400 though um i was making 200 a month with that rig uh, it's gonna take seven months to pay off if everything stayed the same at that point and i just struggled to see the coins that you can mine with gpus at this point all those altcoins that are going to stay gpu mining friendly um you know you think of the ethereums the ones that have really committed to not going asic then I just see that seven months is a very long time to play with before you've even made your money back. And you got to risk that those cards could go out with mining. Mining is very intensive on these cards. And yeah, if you buy them new, um, you can definitely go in, you know, you ship them in and get them replaced and hopefully you can do that. But that is assuming you can get them at a, at a good price in the new condition and don't have to buy them used. So right now, seven months for me, and that's just on the cards. That's saying I have already bought in the board, the power supply and the CPU. It's too risky for me right now. I, um, so no, I would say no, yeah. no, I appreciate the opposite, uh, yeah. point of views. I, I do think it's eyes wide open. If you're going in right now, it's uh, especially like after February 8th, we are seeing the highest prices we've ever seen for video cards. Uh, it's starting to catch up in some of these areas like power supply, like memory. Boy, Dwayne, I was looking at the memory you were listing. I'm like, wow, that's a lot more expensive than I remember it being just a couple months ago, right? Yeah. And so 
if you're going all new today, you really got to pay attention to what you're doing. That's what I hear you saying, Dwayne. Yeah, it's you patient. Be patient. You got to really work it now. And you got to kind of want it to be a hobby and you got to kind of hope I think prices change. So yeah, that's yeah. my asterisk too. Yeah. I say yeah. no only if you're in this purely for the money. It's a ton of fun. Oh. Like if you're willing to spend any money at all on fun, like jump into it because it is a total blast. But at the same time, the other thing you got to be careful of too is you if you're in this just for money and not hobby, you got to be honest with yourself because I found myself like if I really added up all the money I spent and not just on the cards, like <laughs> uh, you know the risers and then the cables and oh i needed yeah. this and that like if you're really honest with yourself and you track it it adds up pretty fast so yeah. it all depends on what you're in for though but i i do say if you're looking for a very fun thing and you're willing to spend a little money on fun and have the opportunity because if these prices go back up we're looking at a great money making opportunity i mean i made out like a bandit in my four months but things have drastically changed in the last and, four months. and i think everyone should take mike's advice and not do this because the fewer the miners the easier it is for us to compute it and the more money i make so oh, he's, no he's I, my, i'm going to change my, my story <laughs> i absolutely i'm thinking that mike is completely correct sell all your stuff today please there we go Absolutely. Flood, flood the market with your things. And yes. That was my plan. That was my plan. Get everyone out so we can start doing it. It's, I'm uh, trying to build a gaming rig right now. And these, you know, I tell you. It's just a- oh, my God. It's been amazing for me because now I pay attention to the blockchain. And so when I, it's not just about coin for me. It's really about understanding the business propositions that are going on. And Dwayne, I'm sure we'll kind of use this as a transition. I like this as a transition. Like I'm kind of sure that Microsoft and others are starting to pay attention to some of the business applications that could come along when we think about the blockchain. Certainly the motivations to, to mine or to really secure, that's a better way of saying it. If we're thinking about it in a business sense, Yes, we're mining, but we're really securing the blockchain, right, is what we're doing. We're giving it the necessary numbers it needs to be a secure platform. When we think about it in those terms and we think about some of the stuff you're doing, maybe we can transition into that and say, what are you working on? And this mining means more than just money. It really is kind of a new future when we think about crypto. Yeah. Matter of fact, if you really go back to why did I even start doing this it, you know sure remember we talked about it and i said oh yeah maybe it'll help offset the vr rig but the re- reality is why would i even be thinking about it right it all comes down to blockchain and so microsoft in in case people don't know i'm microsoft employee i'm actually the um in, in the microsoft consulting services i'm the worldwide lead for connected vehicle uh solutions worldwide so when there's something that's going on with an implementation around connected vehicles, then I'm involved with it at some level. So, and, and I know, Jim, you know, you've known this and you've seen my world travels and the crazy things that I've had to do um, in places I've had to go to be able to deal with this. But I really started going, well, what's the, what is this blockchain thing? It's really starting to get big and we're doing stuff in Azure around around blockchain and then it starts coming up in the connected vehicle space so i can give you a perfect example jim of blockchain in in an automotive capacity of where it might make sense right um jim did you ever remember when i had an audi yeah i do do you remember that my audi was a diesel now that i didn't get as detailed in but keep going so yeah, so so Audi has paid me recently a very large check due to the fact that I had bought an A7 TDI 
And yes, it was a Dieselgate car. And because of this whole Dieselgate thing in the automotive industry, there's this thing called the European Union. I don't know if you've heard of this thing. Jim. <laughs> small, small organization on the other side. Of the you know, they and, and they get a little, little irritated when consumers have things like this happen. And so they start doing things like passing laws like, OK, well, maybe we don't want to let you cheat emissions things. Maybe the vehicle should send its emissions in in a connected world. And we need to make sure that it's not tampered with and that we're getting the direct reading off the vehicle and that it and so forth. Right. And so when you start looking at like, OK, emissions checking and validation that it's being written and that it can't be tampered with and then communicated from an untrusted party to an untrusted party. This is exactly kind of what blockchain is. So you start looking at what it is. It really is just a a ledger that is being written to. Um, if anyone is familiar uh, with like Active Directory is a good example of a multi, uh, you have you have a database that's spread across multiple uh, computers and things like this. In this case, it's you don't even need to have to have it within the same organization. Matter of fact, you actually don't, most times you don't even really want it. The whole purpose of it is that it's for multi organizations and or places that don't trust one another to be able to ensure that this is a trusted source without having to have a mediator. Uh, so when you start looking at the impact of blockchain into things like connected vehicles, then you're talking about that the government doesn't trust the auto manufacturer to not try to cheat stuff. So what you end up with is you end up with stuff like like this, where you write the you write it to the ledger that the missions are passing for this vehicle. And then that's uh, a copy of that is also given to the, on the government side. And so, and it can't be tampered with by the government and it can't be tampered with by the organization itself. And so these are things that we're starting to see where blockchains have a, a huge impact. The other thing is if you look at the cryptocurrency specifically, you really look at it that the whole concept of this is currently today, everyone has a debit card. And the debit card says probably Visa or MasterCard on the bottom. The whole point of what these people do is they are the trusted mediator between the merchant and the buyer. And so you you commit and you sign something that says, I promise. And then they turn around and say, and we are going to make sure that you get your money. And so that is the point of Visa and MasterCard. But when you have blockchain, you take that away because I don't need them because both parties are writing. I, I commit to the transaction and I write the transaction to the ledger and they write that they gave me something in return and it cannot be edited. It cannot be. You don't need a mediator between the two of us. So this is kind of the concept of the whole cryptocurrency craze. And if you look at where this is really getting big, you're starting to see countries with a lot of corruption starting to move to cryptocurrency as their main currency. And that's not in the U.S., of course, but in other countries where you don't trust the government to inflate your money, this is a controlled inflation. And it also has a ledger to validate the transaction. The other, it also goes into why it is really bad if you put the wrong address in and do a transaction, because when you do it, it's done. It can't be undone. Um, and, and the only way to fix it is that you have to do a book. You actually have to have a correction done within the ledger to show that you did a correction. And 
in cryptocurrency, once I transfer the money, it's gone. I mean, you don't, it doesn't, it's, you, you will not get it back. There's no, I, I got a receipt. Can I get my money back? That does not how it works. And, and on top of that, people will do this where they send it into a black hole and they don't know where it went because they did something wrong. So when you do transfers or whenever you're doing something with blockchain, the key is it will not be un, undone. So that's why it's very important to make sure you keep Dwayne, these things in mind. Don't you think that's a problem? I mean, I, I do. I, I think we're going to have to think of a way to to satisfy that for some of these things to be taken in a legitimate sense. Because there are some cases, using your automotive case, if you send it off to, into, into a black hole, maybe there, it doesn't really matter, right? If that emissions, those emissions numbers go off to nowhere that that's like we're not losing much right in the in the sense of data but i think if we're going to take this seriously as a in in really it's not it's not great currency in a lot of ways i mean we say it's cryptocurrency but it's because of those reasons it's not great i don't think it's a great like i don't think a small country in africa that's corrupt that says well we're going to move to a monetary system well we know from the run up on Bitcoin, it doesn't work well in those kinds of situations when it, it can cause Mike and I had this big, long argument about this a couple of weeks ago. Hyperinflation. It can be just as inflationary. It, yeah. It, right. So I, I think we need to be careful. I loved your car example. I, I, I didn't like your currency example. Well, no, what I'm saying is that is why you see countries buying it or people buying into it in foreign countries. Right. The in the U.S., it's it, you're looking at it in comparison to a dollar. If the currency in which you're trading for it is even more volatile than Bitcoin, if you can't imagine that, right, then it's even worse because we have certain countries in the world that the government will just decide that they will print a trillion dollars in a day to pay off their debt. And that's how they handle it. And then your money in your bank just went to just crash like Bitcoin can crash. So what I would say is, there's definitely a need for stabilization. And what you're looking for is when will it get stabilized? And the way that you should look at Bitcoin, if you watch it, as long as I've watched it, it will, it will basically go way up and then it will come halfway back down and then it will hold and then it will go, it will almost double and it will come halfway back down. And just to give you a perfect example of this, Jim, what's Bitcoin at right now? About 8,600? Eight. Yeah. Okay, so where did it go? It went to 19. And so now where is it sitting? And it's been holding pretty steady between around 7,500 and 8,900 uh, for a bit. Now, granted, people will look at that and go, that's a massive swing, right, between it. But the reality is if you hold it for a few days, it's not really. I mean, if you're somewhat intelligent and follow the market, you can say it's high today or it's low, just like a stock. So in the end, I would not recommend that you think of it as a place to go put a retirement or anything. It's absolutely high risk. I tell everybody that puts a dollar in it that you every dollar you put in it, you should expect that it will go that it's going to disappear tomorrow. So if you can't afford to play this game, don't play this game. And, and if you're going to do it and you're going to mine and you're wanting to make it and you want to guarantee profit, then your way to do it is you cash out quickly. And so you don't let the market volatility play into it too much. Now, getting back to blockchain and connected vehicle, we're starting to see this whole trend of, you know, 
of connected IoT things starting to really become a big deal. And you start getting into connected vehicle. And I've, I've actually, someone asked me one day, what would I, if I could have a talk, what would I call it? And, you know, at this point, and I, I said, I would say the cell phone is dead, right? The smartphone is dead. It's a dead man walking just the same way as the desktop was a dead thing walking when the laptop started to get popular, the laptop. And, and if you think about this, it's all about how, what you plug into something in order for that thing to be able to do something more. Like if you go back to an iPod, you plugged an iPod into a computer to get the music on the computer. And then eventually the smartphone and the iPod kind of mixed in to become a phone and the phone got more and more powerful. And now you start seeing that you never plug your phone in to do anything anymore to your computer. It has got enough capacity and enough power to start doing its own thing. And it doesn't need the computer to be able to do that anymore. Well, in the world of IoT, the, and it really started with Raspberry Pi. I don't know, you, there was a huge craze about Raspberry Pi and I never really got why it was. But the reality was it was where compute started to, at that price point, started to get enough that you could do enough compute there that you could do something interesting at a low price. And now as you're starting to see this, you're starting to see this push into devices and you're starting to see devices get smarter and smarter and smarter. And, you, and if you look at things like the Echo uh, is a good example. Sorry if I just set off a, a ton of these things. Alexa, <laughs> buy me 15 iPods. And it, that won't work because they won't sell Apple stuff. Anyway, so um, <laughs> sorry, Microsoft joke. Um, or play YouTube videos. They don't like Google either now on all the Amazon Fire TVs. No. Oh, yeah, exactly. And But if you look at it, those things are becoming ambient computing. You look at smart homes and things like this. These things are getting smarter and smarter and smarter. At a certain point, they don't need you to, like in a car specifically, whether you plug your phone into your car with a cable or you plug it in with a um, with, with a virtual cable called Bluetooth, in the end, you're plugging your phone in to be able to augment the processing power and the connectivity of your phone to the vehicle. We're seeing now that the vehicles, and the bad part in vehicles is not that they don't cost a lot, it's just that the process in which they developed them, they didn't really think like they thought, like, they, like you think of a smartphone. Now that is really changing as uh, like LTE and things like this have become more popular and they can be well connected. And then there's actually value in the data coming out of the car. And there's also value in building experiences and people will pay money to be able to get those experiences into the vehicle. And as the vehicle becomes more autonomous, you're starting to see, well, the experience in the car is very important to people who make cars. And they don't necessarily want CarPlay to take over the whole screen because if I'm Toyota, for example, and I put CarPlay into a Toyota and I sell Lexus, and the only real differentiator in the car is the experience of you being in the car and the driving dynamics go away because it's autonomous, then why will I pay the money for a Lexus if the experience is the same because all I'm doing is plugging in CarPlay? And so this is not the goal in those spaces. They actually would view that as a competitive situation. 
So when you start looking at that, what you're going to start seeing is a blistering pace in the automotive industry to start doing more because people with Teslas, as an example, love a Tesla because of the fact of what it's able to do. It's like it's smarter, right? It has updates that are going into it. What does that sound like? It sounds like a smartphone. The car is a smartphone. It can run apps. It can get updates to apps. It could have an app store, all of these things. And then those apps, unlike a phone, which the apps are built for you as a mobile device, they can actually build an experience that's tailored to the vehicle and not just making projection of a phone screen into a vehicle. So these things are starting to really take place. And a lot of this is starting to go into AI and things like that. And and what you and it's really interesting to be at Microsoft because everybody still thinks of us as sort of a Windows company. And and while we do make Windows, I, I don't want to diminish Windows here, right? I, I think the investments, like if you look at our stock, our stock's been going crazy if if you follow Microsoft. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the fact of what's going on in the cloud. And I would tell you, I, I used to be an exchange architect, and now I'm working on connected vehicle, which if you go, well, what the heck is that? And everyone seems to think that what I work on is, um, what was it, sync. Everyone thinks I'm doing sync or putting windows in a car. And honestly, I don't care what the operating system of the car is. That That's actually the least important thing in the world of containers that you could ever imagine, right? And if you don't know much about Docker, and containers, you better go read up because this is going to impact the IT industry equivalent to what virtual machines did when VMware started. It's that big of a deal. And so, because how many people do you know are building servers and running a, a single operating system on a server? Every server is running some sort of virtualization and every server is a virtual server. Eventually there will be no virtual server. It will just be a container and you will have something that is executing the compute and you will put different types of containers like in. So where we're starting to see is now you have all this cloud compute as well that's allowing you to do some really cool stuff. And so one of the things that I'm working a lot on lately is something called cognitive services. And I put a link in the show notes for cognitive services. And if you don't know what they are, this it's basically think of it as packaged AI that's sold, if you're not familiar with um, the, the different levels of cloud, there's like IaaS, there's uh, SaaS, and then there's uh, PaaS. And so IaaS is I'm going to let you run your operating system on my hardware, and you run everything at the OS level. And SaaS is the thing like Office 365, where you have a service that you subscribe to, and that service is completely run, and as a user, you just get the service. And then PaaS is the ability for you to be able to not have to worry about anything except you just write your code and we execute it for you. And if you get into things like Azure Functions, which if you guys haven't seen that, this is really kind of the leader in, in what's going on in the cloud where I, as a developer, I just write code and I don't care about the execution. I don't care about operating systems. I just write the code and then I pay a price for that code to get executed. And whatever the compute is, whatever the storage, whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's just write code, execute code. What did it cost me to execute that on this frequency? So this is how far we're getting to the whole virtualization part. And so when you look at PaaS components and cognitive services, this is packaged up AI capability that you can just use 
as a developer. You, you pay per cycle or transaction to do it. And what does that mean? So let's go into like cognitive services and vision. So, and this will start making sense to why this is important from an automotive perspective. So one of the things that is emotion detection. So ability to take a video feed or an audio feed or things of that nature and actually determine the emotion behind the people in the vehicle. All right, so you start getting into things like this and you even get into, okay, well, could, if I can tell if you're angry, happy, can I also tell if you're tired? Could I tell if you're distracted can, and things like this? And I just provide you an API where you can do this by providing me a video feed. Well, now that I have LTE, I can stream the video feed or and things of that nature. And then if I get to a point where that's running in a container and you start thinking about containerization and compute becoming more and more powerful at the end, you start thinking about what could I actually kind of build out and train and then bring it down local for... And, and so forth. So when we start looking at all this, we have other things like face detection. Well, I think that'd be pretty important. How many people are in the car? That might actually have some effect, right, to what you would do. Uh, you have things like computer vision where I can, I can train it and I can even tell like things like how old are you? I don't know if you guys have seen some of the demos that we have. You can actually go to the Azure Cognitive Services website and there's things that it doesn't cost you anything to play with this. You can go and we'll even have it where you can you can take two different images and bring them together and say, or you can say, how old am I? And things like that. And it'll look at you and say, that is a, you know, this, this age male uh, and things. And so these things are becoming where you don't have to build it and a developer doesn't have to worry about it. They just give you, here's a couple samples of what Dwayne looks like. And we train that in the cloud, and then we say, okay, here's an API, call it, and it says, yeah, that's Dwayne, right? And so that's all the developer has to do. They don't have to, and they, they only pay for the process of that one transaction when they call it, and you start getting into really cool stuff. So let's go a little further, let's go into speech. So you start getting into things like translator, active translation of, I mean, real-time tra translation. These are things that you're seeing in Skype and people have talked about where we're having a conversation and it's instantly translating. Imagine you could do that as an API. You could just do this as a developer and you don't have to know anything except how to call it. It takes care of it and gives it back to you. The same thing with speech translation. Uh, and we're even getting into speaker recognition so that when you're talking, I can identify you via voice. Well, if you look at something like a speaker um, that's in your house, it's really important for maybe an app developer to write that and be able to determine who you are and not have to require that that's being done locally or maybe even be able to push that down to that to the endpoint where they want to do it. The other thing is that custom speech. Custom speech is the concept of like there's background noise and I need to filter it out. So an airport, airport kiosk, and it's really loud, I can get ambient noise and filter it. So getting to the point where you can really get into speech, and then you start combining that with the other pieces like language. And if you haven't, um, one of the things I think is one of the most interesting things I'm getting to work on is something called Lewis or language understanding. It's a cognitive service. And what it does is it allows you to have a, to say something, however you wanna say it, and then you can train it and you can say the intent of that 
it does an intent of what you mean. So when you look at this and you say, well, what does that really mean? Okay, so Jim, I'm going to ask you a yes, no question. Maybe you say, sure. Maybe you say, go for it. Maybe you say affirmative. Maybe you say, I like that. Let's do it, right? However you might say it, the result of what you're actually saying is yes, right? And so the idea of Lewis is the ability for you to actually take that and turn it into an, into an intent so that you can code around the intent, not around what you said. And then you can update and train the model. And, and not only that, we see it has a training component where you can actually see what people were saying and where it didn't rank it 100%. And then you can actually take that and apply that and say, no, the intent of what they said was this. I can confirm that. And then it helps the model get better. So all of these things are starting to happen as cloud services. And, the, and being able to get these models and being able to do this stuff. And you take into things like spell check, or text analytics, what you know, and things of this coming together, and you're getting to a point where you could have a conversation with the machine and not necessarily know you're having a conversation with the machine. You take that and you add in things like uh, knowledge management. So we have this thing called a Q&A maker, which is basically you just load it up with, here are all the questions and here are all the answers. And the result is it builds the natural language engine and everything around it. And all you had to do was say, this is the question, and here is the answer. And you could ask that question, like, what is my tire pressure? You could say, what is the tire pressure supposed to be for my car? You could say, can you tell me more about my tires? All of this will result in the answer of what the tire pressure should be in the vehicle, because it'll automatically rank it, look at what the intent of what you're saying, and map it to the answer. And so that really becomes really interesting. And then you get into knowledge exploration. And Jim... I sent, I put a link here, and I think it might be better if you, you do it on your machine, is there's a, something called JFK files. And if you guys, I would encourage you to go play with this. It's really cool. In case people don't know, recently the U.S. government has opened up all of the files on, on JFK uh, from being declassified. They declassified it all. And in this case, if you go to this website and just type Oswald in on the top, of that jump. All right, hold on. Having some uh let's having some storage issues here just a second. To uh it it's was okay. it was taking like all of my available upload. So Oz, can you guys can you Oz see that? World. Yeah. Can you guys Oz. Hold on. W A L D. There we go. Yeah. There you go. Enter. So what they did is they uh, Microsoft team decided they wanted to show like what you could do with the power of knowledge management. So you took all this unstructured data. If you don't know what that means, it means files and all this stuff. It's not in a database. And then they went in and they said, we're going to scan all this stuff in. And then what we're going to do is we're going to build a knowledge graph around it. And so when you say that you're looking for Oswald, if you notice, it actually found it in scanned in files. It's in handwriting. You actually got his picture because we know what Lee Aubrey Oswald looks like. And so we were able to build and detect his face and be able to bring that together. And as you scroll down through this, you can actually find all this different information. And then the things on the left give you actually a visibility into, into other things. And you'll even find in here where there's certain things like the GP, the floor thing is actually because that's a code name they used for him. And we know this. 
So therefore, that's why it shows up in your search. And so all of this stuff, you can go in and play with it. So if you're a JFK uh, fanatic, this is a really cool thing to go play with. It's completely free, open on the internet. I gave you the link to it. And you can even go into things like, well, what is it that I want to know just the stuff about numbers or the stuff about information? And then in the upper right-hand corner, you see the little thing that looks like a, a tree. When you click that, that'll actually give you a view of the inner relationships of all of the keywords so that you can see how all of these files go together. And if you want to know, like, I think there's something about Mexico somewhere. It's, it's interesting because you can start seeing, okay, well, how does that apply to Oswald? And these are things that you can start playing around with. Yeah, you can see like Mexican at the top and, and it will basically start bringing all this together for you. It's a really, really cool thing to go get an idea of what you can do. But if you take this over to a vehicle context, think about how cool this would be if we start scanning in uh, the manual of a car and you're trying to find something in the manual and you could just naturally ask for what you're looking for and it just find it in the manual, right? And so you start getting into some really cool stuff that you can start doing in, the, in this space. And then you get into things like search where you can use like Bing, where you can look at news, you can look at web, you can look at video and images and be able to pull all that together. And the way that you can build a model around what does Lee, Ar Ar where, what does Lee Harvey Oswald look like is you could do a image search against him to source the information to build the model around them. And I actually did something I won't do on here because of uh, time and the bandwidth constraints, but I actually took and searched uh, Jim space on Bing, which by the way, you can find, and threw it in and was doing face recognition against it to determine how old Jim was. And Jim, it said you were really old. Oh, how old? I, it's funny, depending on if I use the black and white photo that's pretty popular and prevalent <laughs> for you. Um, it, it, it said that you are like, I think 46. Yeah, pretty close. I'll be 50 this year. So yeah. yeah so so think about you take all of the stuff that we just talked about in cognitive services, which will really make your head spin. And then you start getting that and you start playing that into bots, which is then you have a conversation that you can write and you combine natural language, you combine question and answers, you combine back in uh, knowledge that can be pulled together from a cloud like we saw here and bring it together. And it really starts getting into a really compelling place for what, how you could apply that into vehicles. It also goes into anything, even a refrigerator, because of the fact that like, one of the uh, little sample apps that we use to demonstrate is we can look at and train a model on what does heavy traffic look like, what does light traffic look like, and what does moderate traffic look like. Well, if you could do that and you just get the feed from all the video cameras, you train that one simple model to be able to do it, you could actually build out what is the traffic looking like just off of the video camera feeds and you don't actually have to go look at it. And the, and this is really kind of cool stuff. The other thing that Jim will like is they actually have a sample where we, we train what different weather conditions look like in the pictures. And we can tell you, is it snowy? Is it raining? Is it stormy? Is it sunny? All of those things straight off the video feeds from the cameras. And we don't actually need all the other sensors to be able to pull that back. And even though you can put additional sensors and in, increase the accuracy, 
these are the kind of things that you're really seeing happen in in the computer vision and in the in this cognitive services and AI space. It's really really interesting, and I gave you some links to go play with, and I encourage you to go do it. It's it's really amazing stuff, Jim. Cool. I will I will have to check that out uh, here after the show as we get in. I know, Mike, we actually need to let you go because it's Hannah's birthday and we've kept you way too long. So, uh, <laughs> Mike, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you coming out tonight. No, yeah, I appreciate it. I actually just got into that JFK files link, though. So now it's like, okay, well, maybe I can see. And I don't know. Uh, maybe she can wait for like 10 more minutes and I'm trying to put her out with this. But, That's pretty cool. You know, yeah, it's very, very cool stuff. All that stuff you were talking about at the end is just fascinating. And I loved at the very beginning of that, that connection to blockchain and how just it's a perfect use case for it in your car scenario. Um, I just right. thought that was really cool. And then just the connections we went all the way down. Really loved it. So, Dwayne, it was great talking to you. I am going to run, though. I'm going to go see her for her birthday. And Yeah. You better, you better get her a really good present for letting you do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I, th- I, think I, I think I owe her a little bit. So, yeah, all right, probably. Well, we'll Thanks, Mike. Yep, we'll see you next week. Yeah, sounds good. Well, hey, we're going to wrap up this portion. If you guys want to stay around for some post-show, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the crypto platforms a little bit. While well, I've got Dwayne, we'll go through those. We'll make those available in the post-show. Remember, you can get that with just a just $1 a month. It'll get you that ad on Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash the average guy and uh, just get signed up. Some of you have done that, and we appreciate you supporting us in that way. And if you want to do that, that gets you the post-show. Super easy. Totally unedited, by the way. I just throw whatever we do out there. So, Dwayne, watch yourself. In the <laughs> show, don't forget, you can send us if you got uh, you got comments, you got questions, you got ideas for shows. Dwayne, actually, we have about six shows in what you just went through that we should have you back on for and dig in because I think there's some digging in that needs to be done on what you just talked about. So I'm going to do some checking. We're going to have you back a bunch yeah. of times because I think there's some really cool stuff. I, I want to know how to do more of this. So we'll, yeah. we'll, have, you back on. we'll have you back on to do that. We we'll remind so. everyone that uh, the Average Guy.tv platform, both web and media hosting, powered by Maple Grove Partners, gets secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people that you know and you trust. For more information, visit Maple Grove Partners. You know that's Christian. MapleGrovePartners.com. And, of course, they provide both the web and uh, audio hosting. For us, you can also get Home Gadget Geeks on the an- on Android or iPhone app available for you. Thank LastPass for their sponsorship. And it's available out there at our site. Easy to get to, HomeGadgetGeeks.com, Android, iPhone, both. T-shirts, I didn't take them down if you want to get. They're still out there. If you want to get Home Gadget Geeks T-shirts, go to TheAverageGuy.tv slash shirt. And you don't have one. I should probably get one sent your way, Dwayne. Just saying. I I'll I wear it the next time I'm on. I should probably do that. So <laughs> available, theaverageguy.tv slash shirt. We'll get you that as well. And uh, we want to thank you guys for coming out live tonight. If you're listening to the recorded show, thanks for making it this far. I know that was a lot of information, but it's a lot of good stuff. And so we appreciate you making it all the way to then. I always feel like there should be a gift, Dwayne, when someone makes it this far to this long of a podcast. But we appreciate that you listen to this uh, every single week. Or maybe you join us for the first time and you're like... Holy crap, those guys go for a long time. Yeah, we do, actually. We do about an hour and 20 every podcast, and hopefully we make your commute or whatever, walking the dog, taking a shower, eh, maybe not that one. That's kind of creepy. You, hopefully, we, we make that better. Well, maybe not. Hopefully, we make that better every week. We're live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, at the Average Guy.tv Live. We'll do some crypto platform talking in the post show, and with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody. <laughs>